Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I'm a singer and I present this show with my mother who is sitting right beside me Lenny say hello to your fans hi fans um table manners is all about inviting someone that we are interested in over for dinner and a chat which leads to kind of anything and everything we talk about food mostly family. food it's a pleasure to do this because it's also quite... It's a pleasure because you're spending more time with your mum. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's exactly what I was going to say, mum. Yeah, I knew that. I'm so excited to have this woman on our podcast. I've fallen slightly in love with her since finishing her book about an hour ago. Um, I consumed it in a day. And I think you're going to fall in love with her. I bet. Her name is Dolly Alderton, and she has written one of the best books, I think, in the past kind of few years. It's a book called Everything I Know About Love. Is it about love? It's about love and friendships and, I guess, being like a millennial woman growing up in London. And she's so likeable, and she writes beautifully. I think her writing is a cross between Sex and the City, Girls and Helen Fielding, um, Bridget Jones and this kind of confessional, funny, witty, bright... Do you think I'd like it? I think you would be enamoured by her and you probably know a friend of mine like her, you know? And Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of myself in her apart from the fact that she is wild and a really big drinker. Um, And I don't think I'd be able to keep up with her. She talks about her friends so openly, which she speaks about with such love and generosity do you want to be her friend i've already texted her to say can i be your friend okay and uh she said yes i've been up for this for a while so i feel like this is going to be the best blind date have you met her i've never met her but i've listened to her podcast so she has a really successful podcast called the hilo that she presents with pandora sykes and actually she's mentioned our podcast a lot it's about highbrow things and lowbrow things so i think we were in the highbrow section i'm not sure we'll have to find out But she talks about what she's been reading, what she's been watching, what she's been listening to. She's 30. She's incredibly successful. She's bright. She's witty. I think she's going to be the most perfect dinner party guest. Can't wait. What have you made, Jess? Because it's at your house today. Yeah, so Dolly's a pescatarian. So we're doing, um, I'm doing cod with, what's that sherry called? Manza, Manza Mantilla. Manzilla. Manzilla. Yeah. Manzilla. So I got a bit of that. I've roast, slow roasted these um, tomatoes on the vine before. 
and we've done some shallots and basically going to put it all together with paprika, sherry, a bit of vinegar and um, beautiful butter beans from Brindisa, um, which I love that tapas place. A bit expensive though. But yeah, so we've got that and then mop it up with some sourdough from Dusty Knuckle, my favourite bakery in Dalston in Hackney. Um, I hope it's moppable. And then I've griddled baby gem lettuce, which is so delicious. And then I've tried something. What are those broccoli cauliflower things called? Like they look romes- like dinosaurs. Romesco or something. Romesco. Yeah. Whatever, those things. I've done a trapeze or trapanese. I should really know. An almond pesto. Almond tomato pesto that I'm going to drizzle over. But I mean, it, this is a very poor man's version of a kind of towpath meal. So it's kind of bits and bobs. And then I left you to do the pudding. Yep. What are you doing? I've kind of adapted an otto lenghi recipe and made a cheesecake mm. with apricots and amaretto. Lovely. You know what else I really love about this girl? What? She wanted to start at six o'clock. She likes an early meal, just like me. How so we can be know? in bed by nine. She might be going on somewhere. Maybe. Probably. Somewhere she's dolly, wild. she's wild and yeah. fun. She's probably having a dinner before she goes out for cocktails. Well, swapping it all around. Dolly Alderton coming up on Table Manners. Love one. What would you like? What are you guys having? We've got Prosecco, we've got Rosé, we've got Red. All the above, whatever. What do you want, Mum? Would you like to start with Prosecco? I'm just trying to be good, but I won't. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. I've just finished the book. Oh, thank you. God, she must have crammed that in. No, babe. Audiobooks are a game changer. They're the best, yeah. Oh, they're maybe so I good. Do because that. I, they're well, so good, Lenny. It was outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. And loads of people have told me, and then I've been that person that's telling everybody else. And, and then my friend was like, for God's sake, you're the third person. So, okay, fine, I'm going to read it. <laughs> so I've got to read um, it this Mum, week. it's so beautiful. And now I'm going to. Oh, that's and so nice um, of you to say it. I'm, I'm so, so um, impressed by people that can write, and that it's so, it was so funny and charming and heartbreaking. And that chapter on Florence was just, I was crying in Shoreditch High Street today just like mm. listening to it it was uh, she sounded amazing mm. and Farley and then I did this weird thing where because I was so obsessed with the characters which are your actual friends yeah I had to stalk your Instagram to try and find them so I could put a face to the name they all love it when people do so them. Farley is not <laughs> what I expected oh really no even though I know the first kind of sentence is about how you're kind of opposites and yeah. she's brown and sensible and whatever yeah. and you kind yeah. of and, and and small shorter and um anyway I loved it it was amazing oh, and you, I want to know if all the men speak to you um do you know the weirdest thing that happened so I changed all did you the lose boys. some friends or and because I feel like it was very generous and it was witty yeah. but yeah. you know you do talk about Hector being basically <laughs> the biggest dickhead so the and cringe thing, the thing with Hector that's weird is that this is a guy who I dated when I was 21 and he's a bit of a I have nothing but affectionate feelings towards him but he was a very eccentric character so I just wanted to write about this kind of very strange thing that we had and I didn't ask for any of the boys' permission because I changed all of their details and I changed all of their names. Uh, have you got a boyfriend at the moment? No. Jesse wants to fix you up. I, yeah, but oh. I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Why? But I just kind of think? like... I feel like it's the Dolly that maybe was like the early 20s Dolly. <laughs> when I was listening to it and I was like, you're wild. <laughs> yeah. And you can yeah. drink. Yeah, not anymore, really. Not, but like, it was really... 
I felt like I had such an affinity. It's weird to say this because you're right in front of me, but I, 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 I just got so much of it and I felt so kind of it was so relatable even though I've been in a relationship with the same person since I was like 18 yes yeah, so I wanted to ask you about this because I saw by the way your husband is so hot and I hope it's not <laughs> indelicate to say yes, that no I love gorgeous. it because he's so gorgeous he's very handsome I saw your um I was looking on your Instagram this week and I saw a really gorgeous photo of you and him in your sexy leather jackets <laughs> and, and we were you trying said, to re- recreate the Kim Kardashian Kanye West uh, wedding photo that was what I it know was. nothing about pop culture so I would never have known that I thought that was you and your husband <laughs> been super inventive um, but I saw that you said happy four years plus 12 and then I was like went and did this weird maths and looked up your age and I was like Jesus they must have been together since she was about 17 yeah actually maybe I kind of got the maths wrong on that basically we were together from 18 that we had two years off but I just don't count that yeah and then uh I'm 30 I'm gonna be 34 that's so, so magic yeah. I, I cannot tell you how fascinating I find long-term love like that particularly from a young age because it's something I've struggled with so much I just I don't understand well, I don't why you're why single you are, because you're, you're so gorgeous oh, but it may be her insane. choice do you know what I mean do you know what I had um I'm sure it is her choice but she's not met the right one yeah and I ha- I think I was uh there was such a long period of my life where I was so <laughs> nuts about blokes I was so strung out on men and yet so kind of unable to commit to them and it was the thing that that it was kind of, I think it was something to do with going to an all-girls school, actually. Really? Where did you yeah. go to school? I went to an all-girls school called St. Margaret's in Bushy, and then I'd had two years at a co-ed boarding school, and thank God. And did you go crazy there? Uh, well, uh, no, because I just looked like Hagrid at that point in my <gasps> teenage life, so none of the boys were interested in me, but I was obviously completely obsessed with them. And I think it's the same with a lot of girls I know who went to all-girls school, you never quite shake off this feeling that that they're the kind of most exciting and scary and mysterious, completely different species. And I think that I had a, I had trouble connecting with them throughout my twenties. So I, I connected them in with them in kind of destructive and disconnected ways. Yeah, I think you look up to where well, I went to all girls school. Did and you? I think you go to university and there are so many blokes around. Oh, you're like and a bull you're in always, a china shop. Yeah, and you defer to them because yeah. you think they know a bit more than girls do. Totally. Weirdly. And I don't know why. It is something about going to a girls school. Yes. And we yeah. hardly had any male teachers. Mm. I think we had a Russian teacher and a guitar teacher who like nearly fainted when they came in and they were so awful looking. Yeah, well, but, yeah, Julie yeah. Cooper said that in her Desert Island Dish. She said that she went to an all-girls school and she said they were just so charged up on hormones and they were so starved of male company that the 80-year-old gardener would come to the grounds yeah, and, and they would all think, lose their minds. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, and I think that doesn't really leave you in a way. And it certainly didn't with me for my 20s. So... Everything was going... I was just making bad choices with men. And then about a year and a half ago, I just decided to just stop. Just stop dating, stop uh, texting them, stop kissing them, stop mm. everything. Mm. And um, sort of get my head together and think about what what I want out of a relationship. Because I just couldn't make relationships work. So I needed to kind of think about how to relate to men and what I wanted from them, what kind of partner I want and what kind of partner I would like to be. And now I've literally turned 30 last week and I'm suddenly like thinking about men again. Um, But I just wrote a column about this and it got a mixed reaction. I just don't want to go on dating apps. I don't want to make this like um, all about kind of you're dating and why you're single. But Jessie has got someone for you. But I mean, I don't know if this is... No, just whatever. (laughs) 
I would love to be set up. I I think all my friends have run out of single men. I think it happens in cycles. And I think I'm currently in between cycles, like between people's first and second marriages. So they'll all get divorced and maybe they'll free up again. Oh my God, that's amazing. What I really loved was just that actually, when you're talking about love, really, the love that's celebrated is the women around you. Mm. And I thought that was so beautiful because like, and I... That relationship with Farley is, you know, when she gets her boyfriend and you feel like she's given up on you and you said that you're like the warm-up act to the the, the headliner that's the guy. And it's just, I know that feeling and I have yeah. a, an intent. And I probably was the Farley to my, well, you I was know, gonna say, to my darling. Well, I going to say, you fell in love yeah. super young, that probably And, you know, is, you were yeah. always kind of making that excuse or apology that you always kind of, when you saw, saw your best mate, you had one eye on your phone probably yeah. and you'd be kind of slightly apologetic for it being so long and I, I, I it kind of really made me feel very guilty about the way maybe I'd behaved to people some of my best mates not that it was badly but it, it reminded were, me that because you've been some forever I know it's so boring but um but I think you know it was really important for me with that on the final page <coughs> I do kind of lessons of everything I knew about yeah. at 28 which was when I wrote it and it was important for me to point out that you know lose your friends to love once because all the good ones come back yeah and I've certainly been guilty of it whether it's one eye on the phone or your head not really there Mm. or your you know I've I've had that feeling of when you're falling in love with someone and it's so intoxicating you feel like the whole world could crumble around you and sort of everyone could die in an apocalypse and as long as it's the two of you then you're totally fine and I think that I don't think that's healthy or sustainable obviously but I think to, to have that rush once and then to learn your lessons and realize that that is not the only love that can sustain you and you have to cram love into your life from all different areas from family through work with friends and make all those areas and all those people feel appreciated and cherished I think it's fine that it's when you keep doing it over and over again mm. I think that's a problem but if you did it once I think that's fine but um I are you sick of talking about love um do you know what I love talking about friendship mm. like female uh, platonic love mm. I could talk about that forever because um, I just find it so endlessly nourishing and funny and complex and mm. beautiful I cannot talk about about romantic love anymore simply because I just have no experience of it and there was a period of my life where I don't know if you get this with your music where you just accidentally fall into a niche that you never really chose mm-hmm. and there was a period when I was the Sunday Times dating columnist where I was every time I did a panel I was billed as a dating guru. Oh, and I was Jesus. Like, I just don't know how this has happened and I have nothing left to say. But in terms of female friendship, you know, I think that the book's done better than I thought it would. And, and actually, I mean, you say it's done better than... Like, it's a bestseller. It's on Penguin. It's read by every person that I know oh, in like, their you. 30s or 20s. Like, it's become a really seminal book, I think, for young women. Can I put that on the cover? Absolutely. <laughs> we haven't even talked about food. Well, we want to know about your name first. Is it Dolores? <laughs> it's not real. Is it? Shut up! Yeah, I'm sorry. What's I'm your sorry. real name? Hannah. That's okay. Oh, we've Boring got Hannah. Hold on, so you changed your name as like a stage name? No, do you know what stage name I love you? Right. Like Lady Gaga. So I was, it was kind of given to me as a half nickname when I went to boarding school. Why? Because um, just of the Hagrid years, it was, I looked a bit like Sean the sheep, you know, like the goggly eyed Wallace and Gromit sheep. 
I feel like Dolly doesn't really like conjure that image. Well, they Dolly call, the sheep. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that yeah. was cloned. Oh, fucking hell, really? Is yeah. that, you're kidding me. No, it's not because I'm like a Dolly bird, no. I think that's... I know. Well, I asked my friends, I said, can you think of a girl's sheep name? Because I was so big and lumbering. I was just like, can I just not be called Sean? <laughs> as oh a nickname. God. So yeah, that's so, thinking So why Dolly. didn't you put that in the book? Um, or did I miss that? No, I didn't put that in why the book. Why didn't you put that in the book? I don't know. I think... Is it something that you're not no. ashamed of? But no, like... no, not... I think uh, people get... some. I think some people think that by me kind of adopting this nickname, that it's um, like some sort of... You know, like in Breakfast at Tiffany's when Holly Golightly sort of leaves her hillbilly past behind, mm -hmm. that maybe there's an element of that or there's some sort of shame about my past. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just not. It's it's just... It was so just do people... Have, have people called you Dolly for a long time? Since I was 18, yeah. So, so people have okay. called me Hannah now, a couple of school friends and my parents and my doctor. What does Farley call you? Dolly, yeah. <laughs> I need to talk about food because you're oh, yeah. a foodie. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think you collect recipes. Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe a foodie? I someone that just loves well, food. you have recipes yeah. in your book. Yeah. Which she was very Nora Ephron. Yeah, that was kind of inspired by that because I loved Heartburns, one of my favorites. I felt like that yeah. was like it felt like that feeling. Yeah, and I think it was actually my agent's idea, and I think so much of writing a book. Meg Wallitzer, who's a great novelist, actually said this to us when we were interviewing her for the highlight. She said, so much of writing a book isn't about um, character or plot or even sentence structure. It's about creating an atmosphere. She's like, it's like having kind of droplets of water in the air and making sure that all the atmosphere is cohesive. And I wanted, I wanted first of all, because it's a memoir, I like the idea of the proximity, the closeness to the author of mm. this is what they were eating at the time or this was a part of their domestic life. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like that kind of nod to Laurie Colwyn's uh, food memoir or Heartburn, which is one of my favourite books. Some people hated that there were recipes in there. Why? Why? Um, I think they felt like maybe I was telling them how to cook or something. I think but they didn't I think understand you sound like a it. cook when I was reading the recipes. You know, lightly whisk and, you know, and it's like, that fish sounded great. What's it called? Uh, Sol Meunier. Yeah, Sol Meunier. That was like that sounded banging and quite straightforward, but impressive. It's this classic. Is, I know, yeah, but I've never yeah. made that. I feel like you're quite a rich eater. Like everything was kind of with lots butter of butter. butter and cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I that I mac think and cheese like, hangover mac and cheese. Yeah, it's good for a hangover. It's got four types of cheese. <laughs> yeah, and someone messaged me saying that they made it and put quavers on top as a crust. Oh no. Yeah, me. I could get that. I know. I was into no. that. I love quavers. So I do I. That. Okay, so I think you're a foodie. Do you, you cook a lot? You put a post up on Instagram the other day, anchovy bites, these oh cheese God, and anchovy so bites. Good. Oh, those are gorgeous. Did you make them Did recently? you do it with puff pastry? Yeah, no, they're... they're um, I have this little very 80s recipe file where I just keep stuff from... I love food magazines. And that, that recipe is actually my ex-boyfriend's mum's recipe. And again, it's quite an 80s recipe. And it's just um, equal parts, grillé, um, flour and butter, and then anchovies and olives whizzed up into a dough. 
and then you just cut them into triangles and put them in the oven. Wow. So, I love when you have a glass of wine, something salty. Are we allowed to add them to our cookbook as dollies and tree bites? Of course. You're yeah, a pescatarian, aren't you? Yes, pescatarian. Yeah. And it was because of a book. Which book was it that you read? Um, it was because of a book and a boy. <laughs> the uh. book um, was Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran oh Foer. Oh, I love Jonathan Safran It's a great book. And even, Don't read it, Mum. No, no, no. Even if you eat meat, because it will just make you... I'm sure you eat meat ethically anyway but it just makes you much more conscious of how you're consuming meat i probably eat less meat than i ever used to i do like meat as well i love meat i miss meat every day do you miss it mm. oh dear and you won't go back to it do you know i slipped up for the first time a few months ago and it was in the most extreme way possible where i'd gone out for drinks in soho with friends and we hadn't had dinner and then we got quite well oiled and we walked her I walked home to get the bus back to Camden and I don't really remember it until I looked at my receipts the next morning and then I was like Jesus Christ and I went into Burger King oh and you ordered, don't remember it ordered a Whopper oh I did yes. yeah Whopper's and I think I think I just stuffed it I think I knew it was so bad that I thought if I just stuff it in really fast, it won't have then I won't remember it. Yeah. And then it sort of all came back to me in flashbacks the next day. Okay. So God, we have good. we have cod. That looks lovely. It's cod with manzia sherry. And uh, uh, shallots and griddled baby gem lettuce mm. and lots of tomatoes and butter beans, but like the really good ones from Brindisa that aren't kind of tasteless. God, that looks good. And paprika. That looks amazing. I hope darling. it's okay. And then the, the, the sourdough is from Dusty Knuckle, which is the best bakery in Hackney. And that's to kind of mop it up. But then I felt worried that that wouldn't be enough. And I didn't know whether you were gluten free. So, so did I did some roast cut. potatoes. You know, you've then, like made all my favourite things. Amazing. Tomatoes are my favourite things. Broccoli's my favourite things. Sourdough, white fish, potatoes. I'm the hat. I'm a okay, shit great. right now. Okay, great. Fine. Right. Thank and you. And then, yeah, we've got this kind of broccoli, whatever it's oh, called, romesco with this trapanese yeah. sauce, which is kind Thank of an you. almond pesto thingy. And so oh, here I we go. Oh, I love a trapanese. Okay, good. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Mum, didn't darling. I tell you, you'd love her. I love her. <laughs> actually quite worked i think this that is delicious that was so so good thank you so much dolly i'm gonna steal that uh baby you saw how quick that was for me to do what it, i did do before was the i pre um cooked the onions and uh, the shallots in butter mm. and and slow roasted the the, the the tomatoes that had so many vines maybe omit some no of no it. they were really sweet they were really yummy but slow roasting them and then mm. bung them in that was so that good. was really really this. easy Right, I don't know what this is going to be like. This looks delicious. Mum, this looks it's great. What fruit's that on top? Apricots. Oh, yum. It's apricot and amaretto cheesecake. That looks great. Who knows? And did you bake it? Yeah, yes. I baked it. Do you want really some, darling? Do you want, like, a sliver because I'm supposed to be being sugar-free? No, that is not a sliver, Mum. <laughs> that is not a sliver either. Jesus. Jessie. That's a mother's Okay, sliver. that's fine. Can I tell you, I can't taste any amaretto. No. And there was over half a cup in. Maybe you need the half bottle. I think you do. 
It's delicious. It's you really like it? nice. You love the consistency. It's very light. And it's, got, mm. it's like a New York cheesecake. Yeah. It is like a New York cheesecake. And it's got the almonds are in the bottom of the base as well. Oh, I just got hit with amaretto. Did you? So, I know about your hangover mac and cheese, but that seems like quite an effort mm. to do when you're hungover. Mm. So, like, what would be your go-to hangover food? Okay, so here is my number one vice, I think, now, as a 30-year-old woman. Mm. And it really divides people. Okay, come on. Wagamama. Oh. That's a vice. I am obsessed with Wagamama. Why? I don't know. What's your Do you meal? Like noodles. I love noodles, and I know that I live in London, and it's multicultural, and there's so many amazing places yeah. I could get authentic noodles. But I just love Wagamama. I think it's like the McDonald's of like exactly noodles. Yeah, I have a friend. What friend, do you order? Um, veggie katsu or tofu itami. Prawn gyoza. Maybe it's good for veggie people. I just <laughs> did crave you see that? Mum, you said that. Maybe it's good for veggie people. I just crave Wagamama. Well, Deliveroo has, and Uber Eats has changed everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because everything's accessible now. You can get McDonald's Ubered now. Yeah, you can. can. Yeah. But, like, why I would, would you do not that? do that. No, I wouldn't do that. What would be your Desert Island meal? The one that you've got to have before, you're, before you go. Would you, and island. also, would you want it to be called The Last Supper? Are you offended by that? No, I've heard you two bicker about this because mm. you think it's too maudlin, it's don't really you? It's really maudlin because yeah. I've got a big thing about death penalty and very yeah. anti it, yeah. so I hate to think of it. My favourite game to play is what is your last meal on earth? Yeah. And my friends now just cannot play it with me anymore because they were like, you know everyone's, you ask this every single time we meet up. So we love it too. I just find it so interesting and I think it says so much about a person but they're just really bored of talking about it. They're like, okay. we know everyone's off by heart from the aperitif to the cheese course so we're done now, we okay, don't well, want to talk about to this anymore. Yours, but I don't like when you ask that at a dinner party and some know-it-all says, well, if I were about to die, I think I wouldn't have any appetite. I know, just go with the fucking flow. Go with the flow. Yeah, it's yeah. not literal. So I don't mind the whole okay, death fine. or desert island thing. Um, so I would start with a glass of champagne and oysters with shallot vinegar. Mm. Do you like oysters? Love them. Do you not like oh, them? She's going to die. She's liking them. Salty yeah. snot. <laughs> I love them. They have to be icy, icy cold. And I did wonder, I'm like, maybe I just like this because I know it's fancy, but I hate caviar and that's fancy. So I think it's not just because it's fancy. I think I do find them really sort of invigorating and refreshing. I think the experience is exciting, mm. isn't it? It's like, the, mm. like you know, the kind of shucking and then mm. the, yeah. Do you push it up onto the roof of your mouth and massage Jessica. it? Jessica. <laughs> That's what, when I used to do catering, when I used to do catering, well, no, like, like waitressing. Right. Did you say, push it up onto your, (laughs) no, mama. Look at me, push it up onto the roof. (laughs) Are you so inappropriate? Jesus. I'm just asking about catering, if you've got a dirty mind. Mama. It was a, a seventy-year-old oyster shucker who was in like one corner, and he told me to do it. it was, there was nothing Dirty sexual. Dirty sod. Okay, anyway. Up onto the mouth, and then did he? So my big thing is, I always chew it, which I'm told you're not meant to do. I do. I give two big bites. I don't oh like no! Like swallowing it whole. I like tasting it. Um, is it gritty? No, no, it's delicious. It's like silky. It's so yummy. 
Oh, you don't. No, I, I, I'll massage it on the roof. Do you know what? I've just bought, this is, I'm obsessed with eBay, and this is my most unnecessary eBay purchase. I'll show you a picture. These beautiful French 1950s little oyster plates. And would you have oysters, Lenny, if I had you round and I served them on those beautiful plates? I'd look at them, definitely. I wouldn't eat them. Mm. Okay, so what's next? <laughs> that's not a starter, that's like no. a... Okay. Don't worry, Jessie. Okay, good. Um, and then for my starter, I'm going to do... Pasta as the Italians do it, so like a preemy, very yeah. small okay. portion yeah. of spaghetti bongolo. Okay. Oh, with clams. Lovely. With clams Love my face. Is there one place in London or anywhere in the world that you that is your go-to bongolo place? It's those kind, there's like a little Italian on Parkway that I go and get a bongolo. It's those kind of very simple, rustic Italian restaurants that I think do it best. Parmesan on seafood pasta? Yes, and... Me too. I think that, I know the rule is the Italians don't, but I think they do. Because when I was in Italy, they do put Parmesan on it. Well, I, they always look at you in a very sniffy way <laughs> if you ask for your Parmesan. But I can't eat it any other way. I love it. Cheese and fish is like perfect mm. marriage. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. And then I would have, prob- like quite similar to what we had tonight, I would have oh. a piece of white fish... Um, it's interesting that I, on your Tom Carriage episode, he was talking about turbot because my, mm. I would normally have said just like a beautiful piece of cod. And then my editor at Penguin took me out for dinner to sort of celebrate the book called Julia Annan. And she uh, publishes a lot of uh, cookbooks. She does uh, all the Polpo books and That's she's so beautiful. a great, yeah, she's a great, great, great um, foodie. And she's like one of those kind of very elegant, very intelligent women who, whatever she says, I do. And when we were ordering <laughs> dinner at Morrow, she was like, you must have the turbot. Always order the turbot. Turbot's the most beautiful fish. And so now I don't think I'd even eaten turbot before. And then I heard Tom Kerr yeah. say it was the most beautiful fish. So now every time I see turbot on a, men- on a menu... you order it. And it is and such it is a delicious like, it's fish. it's expensive as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's so much... Um, it's like the kind of... Not rubbery, but that like really meaty Steaky. texture of a tuna, but then with that delicate yeah. white fish flavour. We, we had it for Otto Lenghi and he had to cook it because oh, we yeah, never cooked that. it yeah. before. It was I prefer halibut, to be honest. Oh, do you? Yeah. But they're quite similar fish. They're similar. Halibut's uh, flakier, isn't it? It's flakier and it's slightly oilier. Mm. It's just a really great flavour. What flavor. would you have with your fish? So I'd besides. have that grilled very simply with some lemon and then I'd have... A tomato, like a fresh tomato salad, mm-hmm. which is one of my favourite things to eat, and then some, literally some like crispy potatoes. You literally okay. cooked like a version of my last I mean, meal. That's wonderful, thank <laughs> you. And then put, um, and then I would do cheese before pudding. Yeah, so fair you enough. Do cheese before pudding. Yeah, but I think that's what the French do, isn't it? They do, but you can't keep eating it if you have it. Oh, that's pudding. true, because you like to sort yeah. of keep I like it all night. on the table yeah. and get going for it what, all night. What, what cheese would be on the board? Epoise. A what? <laughs> Epoise. Epoise. I don't know it. E-P-O-I-S-E. What is it like? It's deliciously stinky. Smelly. Very runny. Yeah. And it comes in a little box. It's an orange rind. And then I would have... I just really rack my brains with pudding. Yeah, me too. Maybe either a creme brulee. Yeah. Do you like panna cotta? I like panna cotta. I'm not meant to eat it because I'm vegetarian, but as I think the Whopper incident. Oh, because of the jelly. (laughs) Or I love a crepe Suzette. 
gosh, I never think of grapes, Suzette. So yeah, that's what. And then I haven't really had any booze. I think I just drink champagne. What's your, stuff you would just drink champagne, not wine. Yeah, it's a very tacky thing about me. I just love champagne. Why is that tacky? I feel like it's pe- people take the piss out of me for it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's seen as being a bit bourgeois. I just I love, love champagne. How happy yeah. were you when Prosecco came in fashion then? It was like half the price. Do you know what? It's not the same I don't love Prosecco. No, I don't. Do you know what my new favourite thing is? Cremant, which is like... Cremant de Bourgogne. Yeah. 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 It's like it's French, French Prosecco, but it's basically made in, I think, oh God, people are going to get angry if I get oh, this whatever. wrong, but I think it's made in a, in a very similar... I think you similar... have scarier listeners than us, so don't oh, worry. Oh God. I know, you're oh, always yeah. having to get corrected. I know, I, I hope that I can say, I mean, if I said this on the high note and I got it wrong, it, tomorrow it would be, I think you're fine. <laughs> um, but I think that Cremont is made, because the whole thing with champagne is that it's just from a particular region. And I think Cremont is made in the exact same way that Champagne is made just in other parts of France, right. I think. So it's much, it's got that like biscuity richness of Champagne. Mm. Do you want more Champagne? No, no, I'm so happy with my okay, rosé. Thank you. Okay, so you talked about Uber ratings in your book. Mine's so bad, Jessie. Well, because we, I don't know how this came a thing, but we compare Uber ratings. And I, I think can't it's time to get... I cannot mine. tell you mine. Is this because of drunken episodes? Or because you're rude to the driver? Do you know what? There's actually a video circling on Twitter that my friend cruelly recorded me when I was <gasps> drunk on my last birthday about 2am of me grilling my Uber driver as to why he thinks that my rating is so bad. And I would put forward the argument that he, when you have an already low rating, mm. that it means they that there's, there's an unconscious bias there. <gasps> towards... I agree. Okay, how, lo- said, oh, how low is oh, yours? Oh, oh, oh. What? You could be a bit jealous. Go on. Four point six two. Lenny, that is high. That's gone that's up high. a lot. See, that annoys me because I've, I've tried really hard to push mine up, and I actually think it's gone lower. In fact, I know it's gone lower since I, I tried to be on time. I never asked to have a cigarette out of the window when I'm drunk anymore. <laughs> oh, that will do it. Do you give a tip? Um, no. I always tip. Oh, fuck, man. What's yours? I can't say. Hold on, yours is 4.62. Mine's 4.45. What's yours? Come on, Dolly. 4.36. That's not too bad. You're in four. The driver told me that that was spectacularly low. My timekeeping isn't great. So I cancel a few. No, never cancel. I think that I just leave them waiting or have in the past left them waiting. Here's another thing that I do, which I think they probably don't like, and quite rightly. I live on my own yeah. and um, I wear quite a lot of dresses instead of separates and it's very hard to do up a zip when so you live on your own. So you zip up? Sometimes, if I'm going to an no, event, I understand sometimes, that. because I, I can't, you. so I'll just say, I would, would have you thought mind? you'd get more points for that. <laughs> but maybe they just think, this isn't driving Miss Daisy, do you know what I mean? They're not, I'm not employed I by love, you. <laughs> I love that. So maybe it's that, maybe it's that. Um, you know this podcast, you know we're going to yeah. ask you, what is your worst table manner in Another person. So I'm going to be boring. really badly worded. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be boring. And when I go out for dinner, like everyone, I don't like someone being on their phone. But my number one thing when I cook for people, and I don't want to stereotype, but it is normally boys, particularly certain ex-boyfriends of mine. When I spend hours making something delicious and I've really sometimes like the sole manier that I write about in my book when I'm trying to when I was trying to seduce a musician. Yeah. I remember cooking that first at home 
to see if it would work. So I bought two sets of ingredients. Bless you. That's how much I want to impress him. Don't tell me he asked for Tabasco. He didn't tell you. No, do you know, I'm actually okay with that. I'm fine with people... Uh, you know, I think people eat how they eat, and people's appetites are what they are. If you want to put ketchup all over everything, that's fine. Shit, I really want to I know what don't, happened. I don't. I just don't, he didn't do this, but I don't like when people wolf down the food that you've cooked them. Oh, don't go out with Jesse for dinner. <gasps> this is where our friendship ends, I think. Girl. No, no, fine, a restaurant, but I think when someone's cooked all evening for you, it's just certain ex-boyfriends no, have done. Still it. But is it and they because they're loving it? Hoover it up. You feel like they're not even taking it in. I feel like they're not even tasting it. Okay. I don't love Noted. that. When you I don't love that. Time. Does that make me sound prissy? No. I think for me, because that's like my, my language of love, and I think some people just don't really get that. For me, if I've like really thought out a menu and made something for someone, and then it's just gone within two minutes, I find that quite dif- difficult. What's your bad table manner? What do I do? Yeah. I do put Tabasco on pretty much everything. You just need like the heat. I just love Tabasco. But I don't feel so bad about that when I read that Nigella Lawson walks around with a mini tube of Coleman's mustard in her handbag oh, everywhere she I goes. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dolly, there is a chapter in your book which talks about you losing three stone in three months Mm. due to a breakup Mm. and a heartbreak diet. And I thought it was very important and poignant and honest to talk about this when it's a difficult subject. Mm. You'd find ways to kind of, you know, just drink Diet Coke and and, uh, eat apples, was it? I don't know, was it? Carrot sticks. Carrot sticks. And like, but there's a power. And I've, I've, I've seen other friends go through breakups and have that. And it... And you, you, you talk about how it kind of never leaves you, even though you did put on weight back mm. after and your friends were worried about you. Was it a control you. thing? Yeah, I was just a heartbroken girl and it, was, it, it just knocked me sideways. And I think I've, I'd always had this great appetite. My family loved cooking. My family loved eating. I was all, you know, I was a big teenager and then I kind of levelled out and I was always like, you know, sort of size 14 girl. Me um, too. But I sort of didn't care. Like, I remember Sophie Dahl saying, and I really understood this, like, I was fine. Like, I know society probably wasn't fine with my weight, but I was totally fine. I always had boyfriends. I could wear the clothes I wanted to wear, and I got to go out and drink loads of sneaker kebabs. Like, I was always fine with my weight, and I'd never really had big problems. And then this thing happened that felt so out of my control, 
and I just had never had, I just lost, it was just grief. I just, it was very um, traumatic the way that he dumped me. And I'd never been dumped like that before. And I just had no appetite. I just suddenly lost my appetite. And it was such a foreign feeling. It had always been such, I'd never, I just, I'd read about people losing their appetite Mm. at sadness, but I'd never understood what that would be like. And I just couldn't eat. And then I realized, and then weight started falling off me. And what was sad is that, I then was very ill, you know, it was an eating disorder, it was very ill, but everyone around me was just telling me how amazing I looked. And ev- every everywhere I turned, there was confirmation that I was doing something right. Mm. So more <coughs> boys approached me, yeah. all clothes suddenly looked amazing on me. Girls complimented me more. Everyone told me I look well. And it was just so sad because it was, the way that I worded it in the book was, my health was plummeting, but my stocks were up. It was like this horrible disparity of me being in daily torture, but everywhere around me, people sort of telling me that I was doing something right. Mm-hmm. And obviously they didn't realise the extent of how ill I was. But, you know, that that's that's what a mess we're in with how, with societally, that's the mess that we're in with how we view women in their bodies. And actually me writing that chapter was, I'd never written about my weight before. And, and that particular battle... And editors had asked me to write about it before, and I only wanted to ever write it once. I wanted to write it in my own words, in a book, not online. Mm. And I, I, I was nervous about that experience being published um, because there are examples where it is more extreme, and I think those people are probably much more of a authoritative voice on eating disorders and recovery. Um, How did you recover? Um, we fell in love with someone who knew that I was ill and he was the one who said to me, look, I can, I can help you through this and I can have patience with you for this, but you have to be able to talk to me about it. Cause I was just, it was so, it was such a secret. I was so ashamed of it. And then I went to the doctor and I went to group meetings and totally, and I totally recovered and. Um, what I wrote, what I wrote in the chapter that you mention is, I say, you know, that was when I was twenty three. So it was sort of two years of hell, and then I and then I came out of it the other side, and my weight has always been healthy since, and I haven't really crash dieted since. Uh, maybe a bit in my mid twenties, but really from from my mid late twenties until now, I've ne- I've never had any relapse, but it is a daily practice you know it is and and what I wrote is that you can't if you restore yourself to health and you cultivate healthy habits and you start looking after your body again that's wonderful and you will go to you will have full physical recovery but all this stuff that you learned in that time of severe deprivation where you felt like you suddenly had control and you enjoyed that for a moment you can't ever undo that thinking. Like, you, I'll never be able to forget off the top of my head how many calories are in a boiled egg or how many... Do you know what I mean? So it's like you indoctrinate and, and kind of ruin yourself a bit for life. And I still love food. It's a huge part of my life and it doesn't torture me at all. But I do mourn the time where I just never... I wouldn't have been able to tell you what a calorie was. Like, I just didn't even think about it. I was so carefree with it. And I don't think that's an an experience exclusive to me. I think most women I know have have battled this. And a woman said to me in a a book event once, at the end there was a Q&A, and she put up her hand and she said, "Um, 
she she asked me she said how is it now and I said exactly what I just said and I said you know I'm recovered but it is something that will you know be in my head somewhere deep in a corner forever mm. and then she emailed me afterwards and said I found it really difficult when you said that and I think you need to be a bit more careful about how you phrase that because my sister is hospitalized at the moment with anorexia and I find it really disheartening to hear that this that's is something not your that's, fault. Never... that's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility and it's not your fault. But also it's well I also just said to her look every person's experience is different but I'm I I resent I resent the latent misogyny that I feel is present in someone telling me that my personal tragic experience of being a woman, I have to make into something positive mm. for everyone else. Like, no. I don't owe that to anyone. Like, I want to tell the truth about this world that we live in mm. and what my experience within that was as a woman. And I don't, like, I don't want to encourage anyone to have an eating disorder. You know, I, I hope that by talking about it, I bring some sort of solace or comfort for people who've gone in the same way and that they feel connected. But as much as I think that the body positivity movement is an amazing thing, and my God, do I wish that it had been around when I was younger. I also think that we've got to be careful not to censor women of their, you know, this is something that still plagues people mm. and we're not going to change it until we're truthful about but, but it. I, worse than the body positive thing or the body negative, I hate people who define thin people as good yeah. and if they're fat... They're somehow bad gluttonous, people. Gluttonous, gluttonous, out, out of control. Yeah, that, that's a very and, damaging thing, yeah. attaching and I think, morality but I think, to it. I yeah. do, I think lots of people, and particularly people who watch their weight all the time and are obsessed with the gym and eating and what they eat and what they don't eat. I mean, you're much more body conscious than I think we were. But then I remember... Do you think that's true? Yeah. You're more you health conscious. Oh, definitely. The gyms. Yeah. You, there, there were no gyms in my day. People went to keep fit. Mm. But I think that that's a pressure as well. Yeah, maybe. But, but through social, social media, media yeah. I think, I mean, for me, who I've always been bigger, um, I think that, especially when I went into the public eye and I couldn't fit into the sample clothes, that was like a real stinger. Yeah, and you can feel like an imposter. Well, Nothing makes you feel more like imposter, and I've had this with shoots, when people put, uh, put, put sample sizes in front of you and they know that you're not, and well, you suddenly feel like, I'm just why not. Do I've, they just, do I've that? got this thing now where I have to, like, sit, I have, to have my stylist stay, say she will not fit into yeah. sample always, but sometimes yeah. I do, so, and then you just feel you want to, like, high-five yourself because you fit it into it. It's just awful, it isn't is. it? Um, I, it's something I used to do, which is really bad, is I, I did a lot of shoots for the Sunday Times and I've now just stopped doing this. And this, again, this shows, I'm, I'm not proud of myself for this behaviour, but this just shows how like deeply ingrained the sense of shame around around our bodies is, mm. is, is kind of deep within us, is I used to say, I'd go a size down to this, I'd say a week before, I'm a size down than I, what I was. Because I would be so embarrassed about size 14s, you know, being a Oh, thing. really? See, I go bigger in, so that they're well, in now, the fits. Well, now I do. But I think then, <laughs> I think it would... It, I just felt like, oh, I, they can't know that about me. And then I would go. And then, obviously, none of the clothes would fit. Oh, and I would sort of sit in the loo, just, like, in a complete it's, it's, state. And it's, it's like, how... how dare anyone and it's not their fault I know. it's the culture that we live in but I how dare that I'm made to feel that that I'm somehow that I'm somehow doing femininity wrong that I've messed up you know 
on the course of womanhood. Growing up, you know, you talk about that your your mother would give you recipes for your 80s recipe book. Yeah. What was life like in the Alderton family? Did you eat together? Was your mum a good cook? My mum was a great cook. Um, she was like a home cook. There was a lot of mm. roast chicken. There was a lot of stews. Mm. Um, she's a really instinctive cook. She taught me that. There are photos of me standing on a chair with her kind of teaching me how to do Victoria sponge from the age of like five. I loved cooking. I found it such a kind of magical process. And it saddens me. I don't have loads of memories of us eating together. My parents were both massive workaholics. What did they do? What did my, they do? Well, my dad worked in finance and still does. And my mum was in publishing and I remember we'd have, there were Sunday lunches. I remember we'd have Sunday lunches. Um, but during the week, I mean, I don't remember us eating a lot together. I remember, I think my mum was really good, actually. She was like, of the 80s, you can have it all <laughs> live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, she tells me so many stories of like how she tried so hard to be the perfect mother and also be the breadwinner and also be kind of queen of the office. And she says that she would like, there were so many times where she would come, you know, rush home from work to say goodbye to the nanny and then read us a bedtime story. And then she said the next day she'd wake up and there would be like a court shoe in the freezer because she was so tired the night before. She, yeah. um, But my mum, it was a real lesson to me, if I'm ever lucky enough to have children, that my mum really, I think she was quite absent in a way when we were kids, but she tricked us into thinking she was there all the time. So our weekends were magical. We always were creating together or going on trips or going to the theatre. There was like this little angel marionette theatre in Islington that I remember going to every weekend um, or cooking together or painting together or whatever. And then she always... She would take us halfway to school in the car, then the nanny would meet us oh, wow. and take us the other half. And then she'd always be at home to put us to bed. So I don't have loads of, and that probably upset her to hear this, I don't have loads of memories of us like around a table together growing up, but I remember her being super mum. And only when oh. I look back now, I'm like, oh, she just was really clever with being so present and brilliant when she was there. Yeah, she was knackered, yeah. Was your dad a good cook? No, my dad dad can't even do beans on toast. Oh, right. But my mum's like me. She loves, loves cooking. She loves the process of it. She loves hosting. Mm. I think basically people who love... I think Nigella Lawson said something to this effect, that people who love cooking and hosting are basically just secret control freaks. (laughs) Oh, really? And I think think that's me. I think that's me. Masquerading as a relaxed, generous person. I'm not not a secret. I'm not uh, not a control freak. I'm just a control freak. I'm always happy when people do stuff, but I'm bossy. Dolly, thank you so much for being on this. This Um, is one of my favourite, favourite podcasts, and you've got such a good thing going on here. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your brilliant book. Thank you for the brilliant podcast. And thank you for being an excellent Table Manners guest. Thank you. Didn't I tell you that you'd love her? I absolutely adored her because she was so intelligent and so warm and charming. And 
She's so gorgeous to look at as well. I couldn't get over her eyelashes. I kept looking at staring at her. And I put my glasses on because I wanted to see if they were false eyelashes or not, but they weren't. She was just a gorgeous girl, wonderful woman. She is a fantastic writer, and I think she's such a brilliant voice for so many women. I love how honest and open she is about everything. I didn't think she was wild at all. No, but you have to read the book. Okay. She was a bit naughty in her kind of younger years. But that's okay. But it's that's fine. What you're and it was to kind be. of like, and I, I, I and I, I wished I'd been a bit more as fabulous as her. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. Um, so yeah, that was that was an absolute pleasure. And I have to say, I and I don't really like um, eating my own food, but I felt like that was quite a winner tonight. That was wonderful food, darling. I think you're a much better cook than me. Thank you, Mum. I don't think I am, but I think you are. I think you're more inventive. We're the yin and the yang to each other, aren't we? Yes, darling. And um, you're a millennial. Just got that word. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials are inventive, I've decided. Oh, right, okay. Thank you so much, Dolly Alderton, for being on our podcast. I can't being wait. Being an absolute doll. Yeah, for being a doll. If you haven't read her book, please read it. It's everything I know about love. If you haven't listened to her two podcasts, she has the high-low that she presents with Pandora Sykes, which is just very exciting, fun interesting commentary and uh, opinion on events topical. topical it's very topical and then love stories which is about people's love. love stories and love she must be so sick of speaking about love but she i don't know how she fits it all in i know she's and she walked here <laughs> i can't get over that i know walking from camden yeah i'm tired i'm gonna go and do the washing up i'm gonna help and do you want to say goodbye to everybody mum Bye, everybody. The music you've been listening to is by our friends Peter Duffy and Pete Fraser. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.